Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Great to see you all and, uh, and welcome to church. And uh, my name is Dave, if you don't know me, I'm one of the leaders here. It's great just to unpack our brand new uh, message series today called um, Be Rich. And, uh, but if you are new here today, thank you so much for coming with us. And uh, do you know, week in, week out, we have people listening and tuning in on podcast when it goes live on the, on, the, on the Sunday or the Monday. So why don't we give it up for the people listening on podcast this morning. Come on. We appreciate you listening. Thank you. Thank you. And actually, people listen to our podcast from around the world when you track some of the figures. So I don't know if you're listening in Kazakhstan or wherever today. So, uh, <laughs> or in Coventry. So <laughs> So uh, who knows, who knows, but thank you for joining in and for listening to today. We're, we're starting a, a, a series called Be Rich, and um, I'm going to unpack this more. And this is going to be a teaching series. We do something like this once a year, um, I'll talk about like giving and generosity. And so if you are new here, um, please don't think, oh no, they're that kind of church that uh, always talk about money. Um, we don't, but we like to teach on it every once a year so people understand some of the principles that we, that we appreciate and learn from the Bible. And um, the Bible's a good book, isn't it? It's not just a good book, it's an amazing book that we live our, our life by. So if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, you're just trying to find out about the Christian faith, then you're off the hook this morning. Maybe just lean in and think about, well, these are some of the principles that Christians believe, and so we're just uh, going to teach them this morning. And giving and generosity as a, as, a, as a pastor is a difficult subject for me to talk about because you could think, well, I've got an ulterior motive. I'm trying to raise money for the church. Um, hear me, that's not my heart. And the principles that we teach in, in this house today is principles that me and my family, we live by. So uh, we fully believe in it. I'm not asking people to do something that we won't do. We want to be the first to do, the first to give, the first to go, and the first to be generous. But we thank God that we are part of a generous church. I really believe that across this room and across people that aren't even here today, that are, we are a generous church. And for the size of church that we are, I just believe, I, I, I don't want to compare with other churches, but I just believe that we are an incredibly generous church. And we're going to be hearing more about finances in the next sort of few, few weeks. But that is amazing. So be rich. This first part is called Life's About Trust. Life's About Trust and where we place our trust. Now, quite a few years ago, I went on a trip to America. I was at university, and uh, it was in my year out, so four-year course, including a year out in industry. In my year out, with uh, my, my, my best friend at the time, Rich, we went to America. And uh, we, I mean, we flew to Las Vegas. Oh, I hated Las Vegas. Oh, I really did. It was great. I had an amazing water park there. It was so hot. At 10 o'clock at night, we got off the plane. It was like 40 degrees. Oh, this fair skin and this red hair does not do well with 40 degrees, I tell you. So we got through Las Vegas. We hired a car from Las Vegas. And the great high point for me was that we um, then drove to the different national parks um, around the west coast of, um, of America. Brilliant. Zion Park, um, Monument Valley. We actually went to the Grand Canyon. We didn't go into it because we were on a bit of a, t- uh, a clock in terms of time and itinerary. But we had an amazing time. And one place we went to was, was called Zion National Park, and it was outstanding. There was hardly anyone there. We couldn't see any people there. And we saw this big mountain, and we said to each other, should we climb it? I mean, it wasn't proper, like, mountain climbing gear. You're just walking up the paths. But it was so steep, 
And uh, we thought we've got to get to the, part, the top, because at the top is a place called Angel's Landing. And there's a reason why it's called Angel's Landing, because it's so high and so vast. So we did this, this trek, and it was amazing. And we, I don't know, it took us about two hours to walk to the, the summit. And I remember when we got to the top, we were just there, and we were just looking out. And we, were just, we didn't say a word to each other for that five minutes, ten minutes. Time just went. We just looked on. And we saw some people down below, and they seemed like really, really small, like min, min, ants, you know. And uh, it, was just, it was a wow moment. Um, think about America, and we went in the summer. We went about, it was, must have been about June, June, July. Um, it was hot. And we'd done a lot of, en- expelled, spent a lot of energy getting up to the, the surface, so this is the top of the, um, of the mountain. And, uh, and we realised, we've been drinking water straight from a bottle the whole time. So I'm have a little drink now. Ah, oh, water's good, isn't it? Water's good. Apparently, you need to drink more water. I need to drink more water. So I'm drinking some now. But we'd been drinking water all the way to the summit. And uh, we realised that when we got to the summit, our bottles only had a little bit left. So we thought, okay, well, going down, you're going to lose less. You're going to use less energy to go down the, the mountain than what you went coming up. So we was drinking, and then it, our, our rations were getting smaller and smaller. And literally, we had literally a drop left. Literally, we ended up just putting it on our tongue just to keep a bit of, of liquid in us. And we we thought, oh no, where's the way back? Where's the way back to the car? We sort of got lost. We got down to the, the bottom of the mountain, and then we had to find where the car was parked. And that's when you, panic starts to set in because suddenly you realise you ain't got much left of that, the water, the good stuff, the stuff that we need, and we've got to find the car and we don't know where the car is. Fortunately, it probably took us about another half an hour to walk back to the car and we got to the car and we had more supplies of water in the car and, and thankfully, oh gosh, I remember even now the, dr- the dryness in your mouth. Who's ever felt really thirsty to the point that you were desperate for more water? And that was us that day, and thankfully got to the car okay. And uh, we made this, um, we sort of planned it badly. And we said after that point, we're always going to manage our water, make sure we've got plenty of supplies on us, not just in the car. So that was uh, a bit of a, a lesson for us. But there's things in life that we need. We need food, don't we? We need food and we need water, without which we cannot survive and we will die. There's things that we need. You might be sitting here today, you might be needing some things in your life. Parents with children, you might be needing some obedience (laughs) from your children, or more patience. And children, children need more patience, don't they? They need more patience. And we need things in our life. Students, right now, the thing that you need, might need, coming up to exam season, is more time to revise. And there ain't no more, there isn't more time, you know, so we've got to do, you've got to do what you can do in the time that you've got. But we need more things. It might be you need more money. Maybe you've got unexpected bills that have come through and you need something more. Maybe in your relationships, you just need something in, in a relationship with a friend or a family member that is broken down. You need some communication. Maybe you need some love. You need some forgiveness. There's all things that we all need. Maybe at work, you've been working so hard and you think, I need a promotion. I need to get more money because have you seen my bills? There's things that we all need in life. And, uh, and today, we're just talking, going to talk about need, because we're going to talk this whole subject area about being um, rich is really about how to be generous. 
how to be. It's a state of being. It's not really so much what we do, it's who we are, and out of who we are extends what we do. So what is generosity? Um, first of all, generosity is not natural. We might think, well, Dave, I'm, I'm a generous person, and maybe we are a generous person. But can I just say it doesn't come naturally? And I disagree, Dave, because I am a generous person, it comes naturally. Well, here's, here's a couple of statements. We don't feel rich. Who feels rich today? My hand is down. <laughs> I don't feel rich. My hand's up. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I don't feel rich at all. But we are. But we are. We feel generous, but we aren't. Go onto a website when you leave here today. There's a website, uh, what's it called? Global, um, Global Richness. Globalrichlist.org. Globalrichlist.org. And there you can put in what your annual net, that's after tax, salary is. So whatever money you get every month, sorry, every year, whatever money you get, whether you're on benefits or whatever, whatever money you get every year, take home, put it into this, including pensions, whatever. And the results are amazing. Let me say this. If you get to take home every year £15,000, now for some people that £15,000 might sound like a lot of money, but £15,000 is just under £8 an hour. Okay? So £15,000 take home. If you take home £15,000 a year, you are in the top 5% of the world's wage earners. It's about point. It's about 4.88%. You're in the top 5% of the world's wage earners. What takes you to an equivalent of your salary in Indonesia worker, they'll be, they'll be earning, um, where you earn um, £7.81 per hour if you, if you take home £15,000, in Indonesia they're earning 30p an hour. Let's think about the price of a can of Coke. We go to a shop and might buy a, t a can of Coke. Let's say it costs 60p. That would take you, on that wage, 15,000 pounds, that would take you four minutes to earn enough for a tin of Coke. In Indonesia, it would take them two hours. Did you know on the month's salary of earning 15,000 pounds take home per year, could pay for one month 72 doctors in Kazakhstan. Now do you feel rich? If you've got change in your back pocket, you're one of the world's wealthiest people on planet Earth today. We might carry £2, £5, might have £10 in our, back, in, our, in our purses or wallets. Think how much that is to people who don't have a lot. We don't feel rich, but we are. We are. We feel generous, but we aren't. Well, well why is that? Because sometimes we, we feel, well, I, I, I give to this cause, or I, I, I do good things, but the reality is sometimes we, we do it also sporad sporadically and here and there. But actually, generosity isn't so much about what we do, is it? It's about who we are, who we are inside. I love this dictionary def definition from the Oxford English Dictionary. It says this, um, about uh, generosity, showing a readiness to give more of something especially money than is strictly necessary or expected. 
going above and beyond, giving more than is strictly necessary or expected. And I love this second definition from the Oxford English Dictionary, showing kindness towards others. Generosity is a state of being. And out of that state of being, we give. It might be of our money, it might be of our time, it might be of our talents, whatever it is. Why? Because it's about being rich. Being rich, not on the outside of what we have, our possessions, but being rich on the inside. And here's four generosity myths. I've shared these before. Generosity myths is um, it's, it's spontaneous. I can be, I can be spontaneous in my giving. Well, you, we can do, but the reality is if we just give here and there, like, like you know, watching on TV or the uh, Children in Need appeal, and suddenly you, um, they show a picture of um, someone in a, in a difficult situation. And it pulls at your heartstring, doesn't it? And you might pick up your text, uh, your text or number or phone a number uh, or go online and you give a certain donation, either £20, £10. You think, well, I'm being generous. But the reality, if you add up the, the times when we give spontaneously, it doesn't come up to very much. But actually, instead of giving spontaneously, if we give actually premeditated, calculated, I love this charity. I love this cause. I love what they're doing here. And we think, I'm going to give over the course of a year X amount. Actually, it adds up to much more in terms of pounds and pence. Another myth. Number two, it's, it's, um, generosity is determined by cash flow. Well, what we get in and what we get out. And I can't be generous, generous because I haven't got so much coming in. But the reality, if we're, if we're planned in our giving, and planned in our generosity, actually, we can work out a, a budget that says, okay, this is what I've got going in, coming in, into my life. These are my bills. This is what I've got left over. And out of what I've got left over, I can give certain amounts to different causes. And as we're more, um, so therefore, we, cash flow does not have to restrict our generosity. Number three is really important. Generosity, it's about the, the, the amount. Generosity is not about the amount. Why? Because you could have a millionaire, a billionaire, and they might give £10,000 to a good cause. Recently, we've, we've heard about the, I mean, it was really devastating, the uh, Notre Dame Cathedral. And then how suddenly really wealthy businesses and, and millionaires, billionaires started to, to give to that, that, that cause to, to get it rebuilt. Amazing, doesn't it? And you might have heard some of the sums on, on the news of, of what people get, uh, get, gave at that time. But to, some, to someone that has so much, what might seem a large amount to you and I might only be a fraction of their total wealth. So actually, generosity is not about the amount. You might not have much today. And you might say, well, I'm going to give £10 to a good cause. Well, that £10, actually, in percentage terms, might be so much more than one of the millionaires that gave thousands to Notre Dame. Generosity, it's not about the amount. And finally, rich people are generous. We assume sometimes that because someone has lots of money, that they can be uh, really generous. Um, can I say, I know some rich people, not many, I know some rich people, and some, some rich people are not generous. Can I say... I know quite a few people that don't have much money, and they are most incredibly generous people on planet Earth. I believe we as a church are incredibly generous people. Rich people are generous is a myth. So here's the thought today. The thought is simply this. You invest in what you trust in. Generosity is all about trust. 
talking about trust. You think about the, the stock exchange and stock markets and those that are, like to get a return. Who's ever invested on the stock, stock market? I haven't. Okay, some people have. And so you look, you analyze the stock markets, you see where your investment is likely to yield the best amount of money in return, and then you put your money. It's a bit of a gamble, but you think, well, that looks trustworthy, I might get some more money back. But what we invest in, we invest in what we trust in. The question today, everyone, is what, who and what do we trust in? We invest our resources of time, money, friendships, relationships, in things or people that we trust who do we trust in this morning? So if you can turn your Bibles and come on the screen right now. We're going to turn to the first uh, book of Timothy. And uh, Timothy is an amazing book. It's, um, the Bible, as you know, is, turned, is, got, is it's separated into two division, divisions. The New Testament and the Old Testament. New Testament is from when Jesus came to planet Earth. And it's then a series of different pastoral letters. First Timothy and Second Timothy was written by um, a great man called Paul. Paul, in the early church, was a persecutor of Christians that were coming to faith. He'd lock them up, um, and then eventually he had an encounter with Jesus, and he converted his life, and was willing, and he actually ended up dying for his faith. And he wrote this, this, this letter, if you like, to a guy called Timothy. Timothy was a Greek. He was based in a church in Ephesus, and he was a young pastor. And uh, it was probably towards the end, written about AD 63, we think, okay? Paul was in prison. He got released from prison, and then he went on to Macedonia to preach, and he heard the good news of what was happening and some of the challenges that Timothy, young Timothy, was facing in the church at Ephesus. So he wrote this pastoral letter, giving him some, some wisdom and some insight to help him do the best that he could do in the church in Ephesus. And so we read this. This is in the, the final chapter of, of 1 Timothy. There's 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. This is 1 Timothy. And Paul writes this. But godliness and contentment is great gain. You just think about that for a moment. Contentment. What makes you and I feel content? Where we don't have to feel like we're striving for stuff or trying to get stuff. Whether that's your bills are met. Whether that your, your family's okay and they've been brought up okay. Whether that your future is secure. Does that bring you contentment? Paul writes, godliness, being like God, being like the nature of God, and being content is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Paul's writing, hey, if you've got food in the cupboards, if you've got shoes in your feet, be content with that. But why? Why should we be content with that? Well, he continues, those who want to get rich, or as the New King James Version says, desire. What do you desire this morning? Some people desire, they want to get rich. And Paul continues by saying they fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Realize it says there, friends, it doesn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's, this is the most, one of the most often um, misquoted uh, verses. But the love of money, the love of wanting to get rich, the love of wanting to get possessions. And can I say that that, that desire isn't necessarily bad? 
Because he might think, if we can I just get more money, then I'll just be okay. That my family will be okay. That my needs will be met. If I can just get this, this job promotion, then everything will be okay. If I can just work those extra hours and, 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 and a sacrifice and sacrifice, then maybe, maybe things will be okay. But Paul writes and says, actually, that, fall, that can cause people to fall into various traps. And many have wandered from their faith because of it. I understand, this next comment I'm going to say, I understand that we live in a world where we have to work and, and get the work that we can. But I honour people who do their best to, to work and do their, so they can still attend the house of God on Sunday. Now, I realise we have different shift patterns and stuff. I was just saying to someone this week, you know, you know, as you put God first in your life, he will bless you. He really will. As you put God first, whether, whether that's in, your t- in the morning devotions or simply getting to the house of God on Sunday. Can I say, everyone here today, you've made a great decision about coming to God's house today. And it's amazing. When we put God, God first, isn't it amazing the coincidences that seem to happen? That things just work out? It's not coincidence. It's God blessing our lives as we put him first. So, you know, as you get opportunities, let's try and... Get to the house of God. Don't work on that Sunday to, to stop you from doing that. But keep coming. Keep doing the right thing. And that desire to get rich. Well, what does Paul talk about then? How does he continue this? But you, he's talking to Timothy, you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. He's saying, this, this desire to get rich, desire to get more money, desire to get all this. And by the way, can I say to work is a great idea, is a great goal. God wants us all to work where we can. He wants us to, to work. Some people think, well, work, when I go to heaven, I won't have to work. Well, work was created for man, for humankind, and it came before the, sin, the fall of man. So God wants us to work. There'll be work for us in heaven. But you, flee from all this. Flee from the desire to get rich and pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue endurance, and pursue gentleness. It was funny, we were around the, lunch, the, the table yesterday, lunchtime, um, and Isabella, bless her, she's t- just turned seven, and she is like relentless. If she wants something, it's like, mum, 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 dad, 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 but more often it's mum, mum, mum. If, if it's a treat, it's dad, dad, dad. Anyway, Leanne said to her, can you stop hounding me? <laughs> can you stop hounding me? And I had one of those moments. I thought, hang on a minute. We've got a seven-year-old child. Maybe she doesn't understand what the word hounding means. So I thought, well, let's go into teacher mode and let's explain what hounding means. I said, Sophia, sorry, Isabella, there's a, there's a, there's a dog called a bloodhound. And they're used for, for finding people or prisoners as they're running and on the loose. And they, they've got a really strong smell, and they can sniff out humans from many distances. And they are relentless. They are relentless. They keep sniffing around until they find the thing they're looking for. And mummy says, that's you, that is. <laughs> <laughs> mummy said that, not daddy, mummy. And I love this. I, I looked up the dictionary definition of the word hound, and it literally means to pursue relentlessly. Um, that was a fine, it sums up Isabella. Bless her. She needs more patience. But God is saying, pursue relentlessly, not 
to get rich, but pursue the things about godliness, like righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness, the state that we're becoming on the inside. As we look after our, our inside, yes, we've still got outside needs and inside needs, but we can start to trust that God will look after that for us. Because it's all about who do we trust. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you, were made, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything. God gives life to everything that we have. Dreams, hopes, desires. When we find God, we find life. We find new hope, new direction, new inspiration. Your life, God, is made to make a difference. You are born to make a difference. Every single one of us is born to make a difference. If you feel at the moment, what's my life for? What's the purpose of my life? Ask God. He made you. You ask the maker what the instructions are for the thing. God has got direction for your life, whatever the season that we find ourselves in. Son of God who gives life to everything and of Jesus Christ, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in an unapproachable light, whom no one um, has seen or can see. To him be honour and might forever. Amen. I love that prayer. And then, in closing, Paul says this. Command those who are rich. Give me a wave if you are rich this morning. Great. There's more hands now. We are all rich. There's no metaphor there. Based on the facts of what we have and our, the money we have. Or even, the, you know, even if we might be on benefits today, we're still rich compared to people around the globe. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant and nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Everyone say, hope in God. So Paul is saying, come on, every one of us. And he's, imagine he's saying this 2,000 years later to you and I. Come on, church. Don't put your help, hope in wealth and in that next job and that next income you're going to get or that next stock market investment. Put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So everything we have is for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. You see, Paul is saying, you are rich already, now be rich. Let that state of who God has made you to be, what God has done in your life, that state of being, now you show that through deeds. You show that by in good deeds and being generous and sharing with other people. Give to others what you have. Give to others what you have. Share. Because out coming out of who you are, because we are rich because of the wealth in our back pockets, but now be rich. Be rich. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of a life that is truly life. And there, Paul is, is talking about, um, he's reflecting on one of the comments of Jesus about laying up treasure in heaven. And every good deed that you and I do, God sees. And it's a reward for you and I in heaven. We don't talk much about rewards, but there is a reward for you and I in heaven. Just quickly, you invest in what you trust in. Can I say this, friends? God is worth trusting in. Jesus is worth trusting in. It's not a stock market investment. 
And I'm not talking about prosperity teaching says um, you're going to get rich. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God. You can put your trust. You can put your life. You can stake your life in Jesus Christ. Because as we already sung and heard this morning, he loves you. He loves me so very much. He is someone that we can trust in. And when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, what we're saying is, Jesus, I surrender my will, I surrender my life to you, and I'm going to put my trust in you. I don't know what the future holds, but you hold my future. You see the future, and I can trust you to meet my needs. Friends, God promises to meet our every need. Our every need. That you won't go without. Those things that you're worried about. You know, and it's been such a joy and, and privilege just um, sharing in with, with Wayne and, and Tia. And they've already got testimonies of God's provision in their life. They've been worried, as we all get worried at different times. But as they prayed and put their trust in God, God has met their needs. Amen? They were, they were desperate to move out of where they were living. And then God, that very week after they prayed, provided them with a new accommodation. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. And they're about to start a new chapter of their life as they get married on Saturday. And we're going to celebrate with them. But you invest in what you trust in. And God is trustworthy. So trust will help you understand three things. Quickly, trust will help you understand provision. That God will meet your very need. If you need something. James wrote, in the book of James, he wrote, you have not because you ask not. So if you have need, rather than stressing about it, I'm not, I'm not saying don't stress, but we do stress and we do worry, but rather than get consumed with that, say, God, I need you to provide me with this. I need it. Ask in faith and see what the Lord will do for you. Okay? And if you feel like, well, maybe it's not going to happen, get a few people to pray with you. Oh, I need this in my life. Okay. And it could be material things. It could be relational things. It could be something you're going through that you just... You're worried about a situation in your life, how it's going to turn out. So ask God's people to pray with you, and God will meet your need. Number two, trust will help you understand stewardship. We do not own anything. I said this is my water bottle. This is not my water bottle. Stewardship is a mindset that says we've been entrusted for a certain amount of time, objects, possessions. We don't own anything. We come into the world without anything. We leave this world without anything. And during the time that we're on planet Earth, we have things in our possession that we steward. Our money, our cars, our objects. Our... So God wants us to be kind and be generous and to look out for other people with the things that he's stewarded us with. And as we, as we give and as we have a mindset that says this does not belong to us or to me, then God will, will, will continue to provide your needs. I love when we go to, um, I love going to a, a tip. Who likes tips? Uh, the Leamington tip is good, but I love the Coventry tip. Coventry is bigger and better. It's amazing. And when you've got stuff in your house and you just throw it, it's amazing. It's like, oh, yes. You throw it out there. And I love taking our kids because you look at all the toys that are in there, the broken teddy bears, and, you know, hanging out. You know, and think, see, that was brand new once. But you teach children the, 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 the fact that things have values, yes, but... It's not about trying to get all the things because you, try and get more, you want more toys and kids are always, oh, gimme, 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 I want this, I want that. But can it be us sometimes as well? I want this, I want that. But you realise that actually everything only has a shelf life anyway, as do we. So stewardship is about 
understand that we don't own anything. Own anything, being generous with what's been um, given to us. Generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume. When it comes to you, whether it's money, objects, don't just assume that's mine. And if it comes to me, it does not mean it's for me. That's a principle that I've had to learn. That actually, if money comes to me, I, I ask God, God, is this all for me or should I give some of this away? Do you want me to give some of this away? I steward what is in my possession. Sometimes it's a, well, we can learn more about this next week, sometimes it's a, it's, a, it's a journey that says, oh God, but I need this right now. I might have some money that comes my way. It's like, God, I need this right now. But God says, no, I want you to give and trust me. Trust me. Trust will help you understand provision, stewardship, and finally, joy. Joy. When we trust God, we can know a joy that goes beyond our circumstances. Because we realize our life is in the hands of God. So we, then we don't have to, to worry so much or stress so much because we know that Father God loves you, cares for you, and has your back. So we have that understanding that God, in this situation, I'm going to trust you. We can know peace. We can know a peace that passes all understanding because we're not trying to strive to get. The opposite of that is saying, right, I've got this, this need, so I'm going to do all I can to meet this need by myself, by my hard work, by my labours, by my efforts, by my, me trying to get a promotion, by me trying to do this. And actually we realise that's not what God intended. God's got your back and God can give you a promotion just like that. God can provide a job just like that. Every need. So if we learn that he's in control of our lives, he can give us that joy. And joy isn't just about happiness and smiliness. It's about knowing contentment and, and peace, even in the most difficult situations. I love, we all heard about the, the, the tragedy on Easter Sunday of, of Sri Lanka, haven't we? But I love their response, is that we forgive. And, and even in calamity, they're coming together. And they're bringing a sense of you know, hope and joy, even in, in difficult Amazingly difficult situation. So trust will help you to understand those three things. I wanted to invite the band up. That'd be wonderful. So where are you at today? Where are you at? Where are you at with your, your sense of understanding that? Is God someone you can invest in? Is someone you can trust in? Because this is the, the crux of everything to do with being rich. We are deeply selfish people. Even the most selfless person is selfish. Because when it came to, comes to it, it's like me and my and I. But when we become Christians, about understanding that God has a different way for every single one of us. And that, that way can be marked by joy. I wonder if we can just bow our, our heads and close our eyes in the presence of God this morning. Maybe you just, uh, you're here today and you realise that you've just been trying and trying and trying, getting anxious, getting worried about the, the bills, the practical things, the needs that you have. Maybe you've been a Christian for a, a while and, and you know this stuff, you know this teaching, but you've just forgotten about it. You've not made it in the forefront of your mind right now. Understand this this morning, that God loves you and God wants to meet your needs. Just trust him with that. I just want to pray for you right now, just now, this morning. I pray, Lord, for everyone that is just journeying and, and facing challenging situations when it comes to provision, need, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, 
practical, financial, whatever it is, God. I thank you that you promise, your word promises that you will meet our every need. And so I pray for those that are journeying with this right now, that on the authority of your word, that you would show yourself to them a good God, a good God, and that you would meet their every need. And just right now as we're in this attitude of prayer, maybe you're here today and you feel a sense of, of, of emptiness this morning. Maybe you feel a sense of, well, I don't, this is new to me and I don't know what I really think about this God thing and does he really love me? I want to say to you categorically, God loves you so much. God loves you so much. And he's got great plans and purposes for your life. But he wants you just to receive him. He wants you to accept a free gift. And it's a free gift of salvation. It does come at a cost. It might be free. It came at a cost because Jesus had to give his life so that you can have a relationship with God. Amazing. And it comes at a price because it's saying, from this point forward, I yield up control of my life. Then there's a God I can put my trust in. And he'll promise to meet my needs along the way, get me through the tough times of life. Life won't be easy, but he's there with me. And so I can trust that God and I put my life in his hands. And I want to pray with you in a few moments. If you're thinking this morning, you know, I'm in that place. I'm in that place where I want to put my trust. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe you're a Christian here today and you were once in that place and, and you find in your heart maybe that you've gone cold and you're backslidden from God. God wants to remind you this morning that he loves you so much and he wants to call you home. Son, daughter, he wants to call you home, call you back to that relationship with him where you can put your trust in him once alone. You might have wandered off, but he's never wandered off from you. He's seen you from a distance. He said, oh, come on, come on, come back to me. And God this morning would want to call you back to him. I'm going to pray for you in a moment. I'm not going to call you forward, and I'm not going to ask you to stand up, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a moment. If you're just saying to me, you know, Dave, this morning I want to respond to Jesus. I want to respond to Jesus. You know, I want to put my trust in Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe for, uh, as, a, as a Christian on the journey, you somehow lost your way. So right now, where every head is bowed and eyes shut, if that's you, you're saying, Dave, this morning, I want you to pray for me where I'm sat, and I want to respond to Jesus today, then just raise your hand right now, across this room, right now, and only I will see this. That's great, that's great, that's great, that's brilliant, 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 fantastic, all across this place. That is wonderful, wonderful. Great. Great. Anyone, I want to include you in this prayer right now. Include this prayer right now. Okay. Okay. I'm going to pray this prayer. You may pray this prayer in your, in your heart. We may want to say it out loud. I want to encourage us this morning, maybe as the rest of us of the church, if you say it out loud, it would encourage those that are praying this prayer this morning. Um, dear Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you died to save me. I receive the gift of salvation. Would you forgive me of my sins? The things that I do wrong. And would you give me a fresh start? Thank you, Jesus, that you have the best for my life. I surrender my life to you. I give you control of my life. I put my trust in you today. Thank you that you have good plans for my life. Lead me in them. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.